You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Here's today's question. Our question came from Brett, and he's basically saying, he says, we know God's power and presence moved and worked through individuals and nations in the line of history of the Hebrew nation because we have the scripture. Was he also moving and working as mightily through people of other people groups and other parts of the world at the same time? If God did, do those other people of the people groups, do their ancient writings line up with ours as to his nature, etc.? Actually, it's a great question, Brett. Thanks. I mean that. Number one, Scripture is comprehensive but not exhaustive. Sure. And Scripture gives us all we need for a life of faith, but it does not tell me how to fix my lawnmower. So it's comprehensive, but not exhaustive. Now, we know from the minor prophets, for example, and let's keep in mind, the ancient Near East was a smaller world than we might understand. So when you think about the Middle East today, it's such a vast piece of geography. They were very closely intertwined in those days. So it's not like it is today. And word traveled fast. So think about the minor prophets. These cultures that they had to deal with bled into one another. So if we think of Jonah and going down to Nineveh, it's a bit of a trek, but they knew each other. Mm-hmm. The Assyrians and the Jews knew one another. The Babylonians and the Jews knew each other. So certainly in the ancient Near East, the idea of a monarchy, that there was a king in these places, well, the Jews don't have a king. Well, they'll get one later on. You know that story. If we look at Joshua, the beginning of the promised land possession, he sends spies into the land. And this is a repeat from chapter 13 of Numbers, the epic failure called Kadesh Barnea, where they send the spies in and they come back and the 10 give a bad report. And who the two? Caleb and Joshua. We always know the two. Nobody can name the 10. (laughs) Joshua and Caleb come back and they say, no, the Lord will give us the land. They're giants, but we can do this with the Lord. Nope. So that failure sends them into a terrible wilderness wandering. Joshua is going to repeat the story. He sends spies into Jericho. He's not stupid. Well, who did the spies encounter? A woman named Rahab with the terrible epitaph, Rahab the harlot. And she is living on the city wall, and that would be like in the marketplace or in the gate, if you will. The walls in those days were a little hard to understand, but they were very wide. You could have shops and houses on top of these walls. And she's living in the walled area of the city of Jericho. And when the spies come in, she knows they're Jews, and she knows about their God. How? Rumor? word, story, travel in the ancient world. So with that in mind, and we have a few other stories we could look at, but we've got examples of where non-Israelites knew about this Jewish God in the ancient Near East. Now, to go beyond the Bible, one of the oldest religious texts is called the Gilgamesh epic. It's not very long, actually. It's a very short read, but it's very complicated. The Gilgamesh story is about ancient Babylon. And this predates the Bible's record in some respects. This would be a southern part of Mesopotamia. We're talking about ancient Near East. So this is a different geography. And the story of Gilgamesh is about his quest for immorality. And there are a lot of parallels with the book of Genesis. The most interesting one is the flood account. It's almost parallel to Genesis chapter 6 through 9. In fact, I remember years ago, Hannah, teaching the flood back in uh, Grand Prairie of all places, and I came across uh, James Montgomery Boyce had a commentary, and he referred to 300 cultures have global 
flood stories that wow. have nothing to do with Judaism. Wow. So, you know, that's anecdotal, but there were these records, and Gilgamesh is the oldest one we have in print, we might say, a religious text. So I think I understand your question asking, you know, is God working in cultures and subcultures we don't know about? The answer is probably. The difference is those stories weren't the Word of God. Those stories weren't the Bible. So the Gilgamesh epic is an important document, just like we might say some of the Egyptian hieroglyphs are important documents to understand a culture and a time, but they weren't a biblical narrative. Mm. So I do think we underestimate how quick the word traveled in antiquity because we're so dependent on internet technology. Right. When I went to Nigeria in 1992 or three, I forget what year, with my friend Musa Asaki, who's now with the Lord, we drove in to a village, and it's a very primitive village. They had wells. They had power, but maybe an hour or two a week. Sure. And the well was still the center of getting your water, and they had an area to wash their clothes. I'm going to say there were four or 5,000 people in Musa's home village, wow. uh, about half Muslim. And we drove in, Musa his uh, friend and his friend's wife, and we were the four of us driving in. And of course, I'm white as a light bulb, and this is, you know, African culture. And I stick out literally in every respect. I'm tall. And we pull in this village, and hundreds of people ran to the car. And Musa had an exchange with them, and they started singing, Welcome, Michael, welcome. <laughs> And they followed us into the middle market, and we got some suye and some different sweet breads and talked for a few minutes, and we got back to Musa's compound. And within moments, the village was a fire that a Baturi white man had come to the village. Uh-huh. And I thought, okay, this is how antiquity was. Yeah, yeah. No phones, no internet, no newsprint, no daily you know, post office where you go see something posted on a bulletin board. Word of mouth traveled through those 4,000, 5,000 people that a Baturi had shown up mm-hmm. in their village mm-hmm. in a matter of moments. Mm-hmm. So that's just illustrative to me of how the story could spread and whether it was Jesus when he's healing people in the Galilee area, turning water into wine, whether he is um, multiplying loaves and fish, those stories spread like wildfire. Yeah, yeah. So we underestimate how the Word of God traveled. If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us or text us at 615-281-9694, or you can email us at question at michaelincontext.com. We would love to hear from you. Ask Dr. E is a production of Michael Easley in Context. The music for this show is composed by Jason Germain, and you can find more biblical resources at michaelincontext.com.